What if I told you that you could optimize your inventory in just minutes? I know, I know. How is that even possible when implementation seems to take forever? Well, Chris from RSI or Right Sized Inventory was on the show last week to talk about their revolutionary real life inventory simulations and how they are the fastest tech implementation on the market. Go check it out wherever you listen to Let's Talk Supply Chain. It is episode 117, or you can find that under podcasts at letstalksupplychain.com. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. I want to tell you about Tive. They've come up with the easiest way for shippers and 3PLs to have fast, clear visibility data. Seriously, you have to check this out. Tive's intuitive interface and low-cost trackers provide comprehensive supply chain awareness, reduce freight claims, and improve customer experiences. These are single-use trackers. Let me say that again. Single-use trackers. Amazing. Check them out at tive.co, that's T-I-V-E dot C-O, and get 10% discount on your first order when you mention that you heard about this on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. We hope that you were able to join us on our Trade Squad TGIF Social Hour last Friday. We're going to be doing this on the last Friday of every single month. It's interactive. We bring people up onto the virtual stage. We get the chat going. Um, We release clips out to social media so other people can get involved in the conversation as well. So if you want to register, go to Let's Talk Supply Chain Um, on any social media platform, including our LinkedIn page. This last Friday, we talked about where's the beef. So that was about the food supply chain. We talked about how dogs and chickens are the phenomenon of the pandemic. I mean, chickens are up 500%. You would have had to be there to check that out. But I also talked about it on my live stream last Tuesday. Yes, I'm starting a thoughts and coffee live stream every Tuesday morning where I talk about entrepreneurship, mindset, Supply chain, obviously, top stories in supply chain, as well as our recap and what's going on here. So today is a new beginning. It's the beginning of June, and that only means one thing, a new Woman in Supply Chain episode. About six weeks ago, this powerhouse woman was on the show talking about her company that brings blockchain and supply chain together, but now she is sharing her most intimate details of her journey to success. Well, before we learn who she is, let's get to the question of the week. So the question is, what is something in supply chain that you always have to check? This question comes from Audrey Ross. She is part of our trade squad. And she was saying that she always has to check the difference between collect and prepaid. I was saying that I always have to Google how to turn kilos into cubic meters um, and volume weight for air freight as well. So let's check what the community has to say. Alvaro says, keep the chronogram of tasks monitored to keep them up to date. SAP reports to ensure on track and compliance um, and keep the team motivated. And he's always checking 
emails. Susan, Susan Walsh, she says, pre-lockdown, I was always double-checking. I had my keys, so I didn't lock myself out. Now I'm more likely to be double-checking. I didn't drink the whole bottle of Prosecco. I love it. I love it. Colin Russell says, my LinkedIn community, of course. So he's always checking his LinkedIn community, and I love that because I'm always checking mine too. As a business development professional, double-checking project milestones and over-communicating status to your partner is paramount. I like that as well. Chris Dietrich says, check for lead time variation. There's always seemed to be a difference between when did I say I needed it versus when did I actually receive it? That is a good one. John McCauley, Corona related. I was trying to discern between asymptomatic and non-symptomatic business wise, like many of us wanting to see and short and medium term impacts and trying to get ahead of them, keeping agile in the process. Aren't we all John? Miguel, he says, thanks for your question. Um, In our solutions and design experience here in Europe with both SME and multinational companies of many sectors, there are four critical points to double check on a daily basis. As best practices, we've seen one, service level KPIs to customers, two, unsolved customer issues to avoid their chronification, three, root cause analysis of top current problems for teams and team member priorities, including attitudes. Great, great, great. We have so much fun every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, watching the community come together and chat chat about different supply chain issues, thoughts on business and leadership. Thank you to everyone who participates and shares their thoughts as we can only all learn and grow from each other. So today, Diane, VP at OmniChain, is back on the show to talk about her career, advice she has for other leaders globally and so so much more she has had an incredible journey to success if you would like to hear more about diane's bio or about omnichain check out episode 108 wherever you subscribe to the show or under podcast at let's talk supply it's important that our community come together and help highlight amazing women in our community so this episode was sponsored by omnichain los angeles-based omnichain offers intelligent supply chain process automation solutions. Its demand-driven platform connects real-time data from source to shelf and back through a decentralized mesh connectivity layer powered by blockchain, enabling newfound levels of transparency, trust, and efficiency across the supply chain. Combining domain expertise and the latest in AI and machine learning, the Omnichain platform is able to run predictive analytics and deliver prescriptions prescriptive insights from that connected data to simplify, orchestrate, and automate global supply chain operations. Recently named one of Fast Company's 2020 most innovative companies, Omnichain champions innovation, progress, and collaboration, all qualities shared with Let's Talk Supply Chain. Recognizing the importance of elevating diverse voices in the industry, Omnichain is excited to partner with Let's Talk Supply Chain and sponsor the Woman in Supply Chain series. Thank you so much, Omnitrain, for sponsoring this series. So welcome back to the show, Diane. It's great to be back, Sarah. Thanks yeah, for when, 
Yeah, when you were last here on the show, we caught a little glimpse of your amazing career in tech and supply chain, but I'm really excited to hear more and learn more about some of the trials and tribulations, some of the successes, everything that you've been through and overcome in your journey to success. That's why we're here today. You know, we want to be able to give some advice. We want to inspire. We want to motivate not only, you know, women who are upcoming in the industry, but just people across the industry and really give them a reason why they should take a look at supply chain as a profession. So who is Diane the Professional, the VP of Product and Operations of Omnichain? What has that journey looked like for you? Wow. Uh, that journey has happened over kind of a period of 25 years. And um, so... I'm currently in California and I started my career out in Limerick in Ireland where I was born and raised and kind of fell into supply chain to be honest with you. Spent 10 years working for a company in Limerick in Ireland and spent some time in Texas setting up a facility with them and that was where my, I suppose my path really started because I loved the white um, the white page or the green field that I was able to get creative with a small team to build up um, an entire functioning turnkey service for some very, very large brands um, based in the US. And then I went back to Ireland, set up a very large, um, again, kind of a green field approach with a very large computer manufacturer. And after 10 years, I was feeling a bit burnt out and I took a sabbatical and went down to Australia for a while and ended up spending almost 18 months down there. And on my way back home to Ireland, I got offered a position with another Irish company in China, which was a very unique um, opportunity. And I took that and spent 11 years working with that company, seven of which I was based over in um, China itself, but traveling over and back to Europe and to the U.S., and I moved to California about seven years ago and joined Omnichain about a year ago, um, first as an advisor, and then I came on full time as the vice president of product and operations. So long story short, it's kind of spent 25 years going from Europe to Australia to China to the U.S. That is amazing. What was your can you tell us what was your favorite place to live? Oh, favorite place to live, I would have to say, is home. So it's it's always going to be Ireland. Um, I loved, for different reasons, I loved every location. Um, so Australia was amazing. It's a beautiful country. I did some startups down there, which was a great opportunity. Um, but I was only ever going to be there on a temporary basis. And then when I moved to China, Shenzhen is a fantastic city. It's It was such a fast-moving city the pace of the industry there, the pace of life there. The one thing I would suggest if you are a new graduate or you want an internship or you're looking to expedite your career, I would definitely recommend a stint over in China for sure because of the pace of the industry there and the learning capabilities, especially early in your career. And then I love where I'm living right now in Southern California. So the lifestyles are different in all locations. There's a little bit of commonality between Australia and California, but from a work-life balance, for me, 
I think um, it's a toss between California and Ireland. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. And you've probably, you know, come away from, or it sounds like you've come away from each location with different experiences, um, you know, really being able to tap into different cultures, um, getting the feel for different people and how they do business, and really being able to adapt, which is a huge part of personal development, especially a journey to success. What would you say about that? I mean, how did you go from Australia to China and really adapt between those two cultures that are so very different? Yeah, absolutely. They are exceptionally different, but they also have some kind of common elements as well. So Australia is a very early bird um, location. So everybody starts their day really early and they have a very good work-life balance. In China, they are very dedicated and they kind of start a little later in the day, um, but they go longer in the day. So um, the focus and the attention to detail in China is exceptional. Australia, for me, what I was doing, and I'm not speaking generally, but from what I was doing in um, particular, it was a little bit more laid back. Um, But the cultures in both, um, I think there's a crossover in that there is an attention to detail, a focus to deliver. Um, But in China, for sure, I just think that they're exceptionally hardworking. They're exceptionally focused, um, both locals and expats that are there. So then, um, you know, spending some time in China, you and it also sounds like earlier on in your career, you were very much about strategy, strategy and big vision, which I'm sure you brought to every single company that you worked for. So did you go, like, how did you get into that? Tell us a little bit about how you got started in your career. Does that mean, like, did you go from school? Like, where did you go to school? What did you study in school? And then how did that transition into maybe your first, your first job and then into supply chain? I know you said you fell into supply chain. I mean, I think most of us (laughs) have fallen into supply chain unless you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I do think I do think that the term supply chain for me, I only started to really recognize that um, kind of late, I won't say later um, on in, in life, because I, I think going back about 20, 25 years ago, everything was departmentalized. So you were either in logistics or you were either in procurement or you were either in planning. So it wasn't a, a holistic supply chain um, structure from my own recollection of it, at least. But I did, I did travel management. Um, and obviously, that has nothing really to do with um, supply chain. So I took a position, I, and it wasn't for me. So um, I took a position with a company in Limerick. It was run by two Cork brothers, they had four facilities. And at the time, we had one really large um, client. So I started working with them in operations. And the one thing about me, as soon as I know how to do something and do it really well, I get really bored at doing it. So I don't like repetitive tasks. So I was always eager to learn what's the next part of the process, what's the earlier part of the process, what is, like, how does all of this kind of interconnect? So how does inventory come in the back door, make it onto the production lines, convert into a different product and go out the back door and get delivered to a client. 
So I started to get more interested in the overall process. And so I kind of moved from department to department within BG. And then we got acquired by um, Banta Book Group. And we ended up setting up a new facility, as I briefly mentioned, in 1997 in Dallas-Fort Worth in Texas. And that is where the spark ignited for me. Um, because I went over with a team of four and, um, it was two guys, two girls, and we had one, we worked really hard, but we had a great time as well. So there was a work-life balance, even though it was crazy hours, but we had a blank slate to start with. And that is where I kind of fell in love with the greenfield, designing it from scratch. And at the time we did more of a copy and paste of the facility and the operations that we were operating out of the Irish facilities, moved them over to Texas, adapted them slightly. And then I went back to Ireland and went went on to work on another greenfield, as I mentioned. And that was where, I suppose, it was my first introduction to how technology benefits and kind of once you leverage technology to manage your physical supply chain, um, you can have drastic improvements with all of your inventory management, your service levels, and that we did an operation that had a just-in-time 90 minutes order placement, order delivery. So that kind of introduced me to the technology side of supply chain. And then when I moved to China, again, another green field of a facility there, again, with a small team, but that's where I was really thrown into logistics, IT, uh, more so with all of the integrations and we built and designed, and I was involved in quite a bit of it, designing the actual business systems from scratch. Um, so it was all homegrown and that was a lot of our strategy with making ourselves unique and delivering a best-in-class operation out of China for Western companies and Asian companies. And that's what I fell in love with. That's that's really amazing. And it sounds like you really, um, you stayed curious. You know, we talk about the risks. Of course, you took some risks, right? You were always involved in startups. You took a risk by, you know, moving to different countries and different locations and not really knowing what you were going to get yourself into. But I think the moral of really that part of your journey, and I think even continuing into today and what makes you so successful is that you stayed curious, right? Yeah, yeah. And you really took advantage of that curiosity and you put it into, you know, the strategy and what what you could really build, build for the companies that you were working for. So was there anything that surprised you about yourself along the way? I mean, you've done some uh, pretty incredible things. So was there, was there anything that surprised you? Um, I'm not sure if there's, if it's a surprise, but I think one thing that I found out about myself, um, was that I'm creative. I never thought I was creative. Um, and the other side of it as well. And I think he would get a giggle out of this, but my maths teacher, when I was in secondary school, um, he was also my computers teacher when I did, I did a, a year called transition year. Um, And one of the things he told my mother at the time is Diane and computers don't compute. And look at what I'm working (laughs) in now. 
it's funny to me. And I think that sparked in me that, no, you can't tell me that I can't do something or I can't learn something. So that kind of, I think, set me up with that curiosity and willingness to kind of, if I don't know it, then learn it, research it, learn it, ask questions, um, get to the point that one, if you've got an opinion and you know it's an informed opinion, then don't be afraid to voice it. And that is definitely something that surprised me, I think, at certain times throughout my career that I'm like, oh, hang on a second, I think if we do it this way or how about if we look at it in this approach or if we coordinate this with this or we use this technology or let's design it this way. And I have that's one thing I think that surprised me was that I took that creative approach um, to how would I phrase this now to kind of look at it in an alternative way because and in some cases I'm quite process driven but in other cases I'm like let's throw it out the out the window and start start from uh, from scratch or start fresh so that I think has surprised me uh, about myself Amazing, amazing. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't really correlate creativity to supply chain, but there are a lot of very creative people in supply chain. And it also, you know, supply chainers and, and people in supply chain are, are problem solvers. And creativity really, really helps to um, push that and help us be able to create the solutions that we need to drive this industry forward. So I love that. So you talk about having finding your voice, right? And having that voice and, and you know, being that voice of, of reason, even though you're very process driven, and then finding out about your creativity. How did you find your voice? What, what did that kind of look like? Because a lot of, a lot of people do struggle with that, you know, depending on where they're at in their career. And it's always nice to really find out from, you know, leaders in the industry and, and the women in my supply chain series, how we've kind of, you know, found that voice and what that looked like. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. And the one thing for me, and I think most people who know me would kind of say, yeah, she's not shy in voicing her opinion or making a recommendation. And I think that stems from how I grew up. So I grew up in a household of five women, two men, well, my dad and my brother. So I have three sisters and my mother was, is, a, is still a very strong woman and so are my sisters. So in a household of five kids, you kind of have to speak up if you want to be heard. And I also, within my neighborhood, um, we were a very tight community and still are. So we've always had each other's backs and we've always kind of supported each other. And we're quite, a, it's, we're very proud of the fact we're a very small um, neighborhood, but we're quite, quite a successful neighborhood, both in sport and um, professionally. And I think helping in sport, I grew up in sport as well. So playing in teams and being an individual athlete as well, you kind of have to partake um, and collaborate and make sure that your voice is heard. So if you're on a team, you need to call out if you want the ball, for instance, right? So yeah, I know I'm talking very basics, but that has stood to me over time. And I was very blessed as well that in my first, I think my two of my first four managers were women and they were very strong women. And if they had something to say, they would voice it. And they would all always kind of say, look, if it's yours, if it's your task and somebody asks about it, speak up. Don't let somebody speak on your behalf. 
Yeah, and own it. Own it. it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely something that has stood to me for sure. And I'm very grateful for that. But I've also had very strong male influences as well. So um, I've been very blessed as well that I've had a lot of really strong male managers and two in particular, one in Ireland and one who I originally met in China, but who's from the US, um, really helped me drive my career forward and always listened to me, gave me advice. Um, and I learned heaps from both of them. So I've never been shy um, with kind of making my own suggestions and taking lead. Um, and in some cases that has been welcomed and in some cases that has not been welcomed. Um, but that's just the, the way it is. So, and I'm not going to shy away from that either. Great. And I, I love to hear that. And I think, you know, an important part of being a leader is not only finding your voice. I'm really glad that you you brought up the fact that sport really helped you with that because I really relate to that. I mean, I grew up in sport, synchronized swimming. Um, I played softball for a number of years and it really shaped me as a person, even though, you know, I had some, um, you know, difficulties with, you know, uh, public speaking and, and stage fright and all that, the the team sport, when I was out there on the field, I really was able to find my voice. I was a catcher. So I was calling all of the plays and I was, you know, yelling out the plays, yelling out what the runner was running, not for my benefit, but for the benefit of the team as a whole. And so, you know, I think sport is really, really important um, to everybody growing up and really understanding, you know, what your, what your role on the team is, how to find your voice, when to voice that, but also be able to listen and get feedback. And I think that that is really a big trait of a leader these days as well. So, uh, you know, along the lines of finding your voice, I also want to ask you as a leader in supply chain, how important is feedback in your journey to success? How are you taking feedback? How have you learned to be a listener and absorb that feedback and turn it around and, and into your journey to success as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is very important. And in some, and sometimes I forget that. Um, because I just get busy with work and just doing the work. Um, and I have to take a step back and take stock and kind of go, okay, hang on a second, you're getting into the weeds here a little bit. Um, but one thing that kind of later in my career, I had teams of my own. And one thing that I always find that I try and incorporate as a team is that not only do I ask the team how they're doing, how they're getting on, um, what support they need, what questions they have, but also what can I do better? Um, what do they need from me? What do they need from team members or other peers or other management? Um, but then from top down, it would be, okay, what, basically, what am I doing that I could do better? Um, are there other areas that I can help out with? And it's really about taking stock of my, I suppose, my, not my influence, that's the wrong word, my approach and how I've adapted my approach over the years. But one thing that I've always tried to accomplish and always tried to achieve is replace myself. So, I have gone up in many different levels throughout the 
years of my career, but I've always tried to bring somebody else along behind me and replace me into that position when I step into another position. And it's about what are your interests? What are your focus? If you're in this lane, but you want to move into this lane, how can I help you to get you to that lane? And the other side of that as well is like, okay, is my, do I need to change my approach? How can I make your life easier? How can I help you develop? And then from me up, okay, what do, what support do you need? What help do you need? What else can I take on? And I do wear many hats and I've always worn many hats and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. That is, that's amazing. And, you know, I think we need more leaders like that because it's not about, you know, how we keep our positions. It's about how we empower everybody around us and ourselves to be able to move, move in different directions and do what we want to be able to do in our journeys. So I want to ask you this. I haven't really asked anybody on, on my Woman in Supply Chain series before, but I know that a lot of people look at the word success very, very differently. I mean, I know I look at it differently from you. What do you consider being success? What, what do you consider you know, success in your journey? Have you achieved it? If, is it something that you're still achieving? What does that look like? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, and it's something I haven't really thought about, to be honest with you, because for me, I've always been in the service, what I deem as in the service part of the supply chain. So I'm always delivering something or trying to deliver something for a client or a brand or a company. And for me, how I see success is their success. So how we have um, helped their business and how we have grown our business and what I see now in that is it's almost inconsequential that I am where I am now because I, I deem that just down to hard work and opportunity and taking the right opportunities at the right time. Um, but success for me is my client's success and their growth and our company's growth and our team growth. So that's really how I see success. It's not an individualistic um, view for me. It's more of a, a collection or a collaboration across my team, my company and our clients and their success. And I would assume giving you a sense of fulfillment, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's a huge word for me because that was one of my, um, I suppose my key focuses for a lot of years is fulfillment services so, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but absolutely, it's feeling fulfilled. It's feeling rewarded by seeing that collective success. Amazing. I love that. So what advice would you have for other leaders in supply chain? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be about diversity and inclusion. It can mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. um, but just some advice for, for other leaders. I mean, you talked about how, you know, being able to empower people that you're working with to bring them into the, the level of success for them or bringing them into a new position that they want to fulfill. Um, so other than that, I guess, because that's really in itself some great, great advice. So other than that, what advice would you give to other leaders in supply chain? So kind of two things that stood out for me is that, and I've done a lot of interviews over the last number of years. And one thing that I live by is my gut instinct. Um, so somebody on paper 
is not necessarily the same person in person. Right. And one thing that I look for and that I would recommend everybody looks for in their team members and, and their peers is in, is um, initiative. Somebody who is curious, somebody who wants to achieve uh, growth and achieve success and be successful in their career and wants to like take the next position to two levels up within six months. Right now, don't get me wrong, that's not always going to happen. But for me, initiative is one of the key aspects and valuable um, strengths I see in people. But don't be afraid. The other one I would say is don't be afraid to get it wrong. Don't be afraid to admit that you got it wrong. Um, right. One thing that, like, again, anybody who knows me, I will always admit, okay, look, sorry, screwed up, or whoops, I missed that one, or yeah, my mistake. I don't see that as a weakness. I think I see that as honesty, and I see that as integrity, and I see that as somebody who knows, whoops, um, yes, lesson learned, don't do it again. So you can't grow unless you make mistakes and you learn from them, but the key to that is learning from the mistakes. So I would recommend that you you instill kind of an open and a safe environment for people to be willing to use their initiative and take chances, um, but support them when they take those chances, direct them if they're going in the wrong direction um, or redirect them, I should say, but allow them to make the mistakes, but help them make, uh, learn the lessons from them. Um, shooting people down when they're showing initiative and they want to move forward just because, no, sorry, I didn't. Um, this is one thing I've heard over the years well, I didn't have that level when I was your age or I didn't have uh, this level of a role or this position. So I'm like, oh, times have changed. Move on. Um, yeah. well, people's skill sets are very different. People's initiatives are very different. And the one thing as well, and I like the fact that you mentioned the whole kind of diversity element of it. Don't choose somebody just to hit a diversity number. Um, choose the right person. And if that right person happens to be a minority, happens to be a female, or happens to be a female within that mi minority category, um, choose the right candidate. But the other, and because I've heard recently um, over the last number of years that there's an awful lot of blowback about, oh, we should have so many women on mm -hmm. this board. I agree that there should be a lot more females on uh, company boards, but I do believe that it should be the right people. Um, and not the boys club, but the boys club is still a situation that's there. Um, it's not going away anytime soon. I do think it's lessening. Um, but yeah. for me, in all of the roles that we've hired recently and that I've hired over the years, I will always pick the right candidate, whether that's female or male. That is, you know, it's a great point. And we hear about it, we hear about it a lot. And I completely, completely agree with you. I think that we, as, you know, uh, women need to find our voices. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to um, figure out what that path and journey to success really for us looks like. Mm -hmm. And we also need to empower and support each other. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that those are like three crucial, crucial things. It's not about looking at the overall and the overarching theme of, you know, more women, more women, more women, more women. It's to get back into those grassroots challenges of why we're, we're here. 
right? And some of that does come from the support that men do give each other. Mm -hmm. But I think we can equal that by being able to empower and support each other as women as well. And I think that's some of the stuff that we need to work on foundationally for us to really get to the right people being in the right positions. Yeah, absolutely. And that just reminded me of something. And this will just kind of give you a snippet of just one of the kind of instances I think a lot of women go through in their careers is that a new manager of mine uh, a few, a number of years back, we had a new female starting at the same level. I was a director at the time and she was starting as a director as well. And we were introduced to each other individually. So the manager um, told me about her and told her about me and then let the two of us have a conversation. But what we found out afterwards is that we were set up um, that they expected an all-out holy war between the two of us because I had been told something and she had been told something different. Mm. As it transpired, we both realized, well, hang on a second, we've been misinformed, so let's get our manager together. And the three of us had a conversation which went very, very differently. And then as what came of that, which I'm very thankful now, is that we became fast friends and we had each other's back and we worked really, really well together. She's still a friend of mine to this day. And I've worked with her since in another company. So you can set us up, but that's not always going to go the way you want it to go. Right. And especially when we communicate. Right. Absolutely. And that's the key piece of this. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think communication. I also think listening to each other. For sure. You know, I think that we need to be open and honest as women when we come to each other. And, you know, if I have a challenge or, you know, I'm hearing something or, you know, something is happening, I we need to be able to embrace that and really sit there and listen to the other person and not be so judgmental. I think a lot of times we do judge too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to to sort of see the judgment turned into more uh, communication opportunities. So I think, you know, this is probably a topic that you and I could talk about <laughs> for another hour, but uh, we're going to, we're going to wind down this, this interview. And I just want to know, you know, what does the future look like? You've done so much and you've bring, brought so much to the industry. What's next for Diane? Well, I'm up absolutely loving where I'm at right now. And I'm really focused on the technology and the digitalizing of the supply chain um, for our partners. But because I have all of the years of managing the physical and bringing in technology that we're driving forward with kind of systems and services and technology that's helping improve people's day-to-day workflow and work-life balance, And that's my focus for the foreseeable future is to grow the company, um, grow our teams and just continuing to deliver services and technology to our clients. So at the moment, we have a a very busy roadmap, a very busy uh, few years ahead and some very interesting stuff coming in the near future. So very focused on that right now and loving it at the moment. 
I can't wait to see all of that happen and to follow your journey. So feedback is vital in anyone's growth. Seeking it out from inside and outside of your circle is important so that you can be successful no matter what that looks like for you. For more information about Diane or this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 118 or wherever you subscribe to the podcast. Thank you to Edward and the team at Omnichain for sponsoring this episode and for Diane for coming on the show today. Sarah, it's been great chatting to you again. Thanks a million. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. Make sure to read and listen to the other amazing women in our Women in Supply Chain series over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can use the category button in blogs or podcasts to find those specific articles and podcast episodes. Next week, Scott Luton and Greg White are here with me to talk about our super trend number four. That's right. We're coming to the end of the series. Our big block party is going to be on Twitter June 11th at 2 p.m. Eastern. But before that, we have to talk about super trend number four, and that is startup mentality. Yes. How is enterprise bringing in innovative ideas and having that startup mentality? What does it mean to have that startup mentality? What does it mean to be a startup in supply chain? And so, so much more. So stay tuned next week as we come to you with that episode on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Remember to check out tive.co. That's right. T-I-V-E.co and get 10% discount on your first order when you mention that you heard about this on Let's Talk Supply Chain. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to us on the SC Supply Chain TV on YouTube. Subscribe to our newsletter. And subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Next, go to ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. That is the technology platform that I am working on. We are bringing mid-market shippers and freight forwarders together in one trusted marketplace for all your international logistics needs. Next, are you looking for something pretty cool, pretty unique, and pretty special for the supply chain, logistics, procurement, sourcing professional in your life? Well, we've got a lot of great things under shop at letstalksupplychain.com. T-shirts, sweaters, we've got coffee mugs, phone cases. Plus, we also have the Supply Chain Dictionary, which is 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions you will need to succeed in your supply chain career. Lastly, go and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and you will be featured on an upcoming episode. We want to hear everything. Let us know what you think. I mean, hopefully you're giving us five stars and a really great review, which... I will have one for you coming up on next week's episode as well. So make sure to rate and review if you'd like to come on the show.
Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.